But turn with me to Colossians 1. We've been there for the last couple weeks. Uh, And last week, Steve showed us the incredible stature that Jesus Christ has uh, that Paul talks about in Colossians 1. You know, he's the very image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of every creature. He created all things. He's the reason that everything exists. And that's a pretty big deal, but tonight we're going to look more at how Christ relates to us in particular as Christians, because that's the direction that Paul's discussion about Jesus moves after he highlights just how big of a deal Jesus is in Colossians 1. Uh, So read with me starting in verse 18. It says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. In the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. So let me pray before we dig in. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to just spend time together tonight and to just dig through your word and and see what you have to say. Um, Because Jesus cares a lot about the church. He paid the ultimate price for it. And uh, man, we should not only know that, but we should also know how to properly respond to that. And I pray that we'd see that tonight as we dig through uh, Colossians 1. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so the first thing we see here after Paul discusses Christ being the apex of all creation, we see that Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and that's in verse 18. It says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. And that shouldn't really surprise us because Jesus is the head of everything. We saw that last week. But Jesus' headship over the church doesn't just exist because he's in charge of everything by default. Ephesians 5, verse 23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So Jesus earned his headship over the church by giving himself for it. He bought the church with a price, like it says in 1 Corinthians 6.20. And that price was his death on the cross. But not only is Jesus the head of the church because he purchased it, he's also the head of the church because he's the one leading the way. He's the firstborn, uh, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And that's important because if you've given Christ your life, the Bible reminds us over and over again that our life in Christ is eternal and that after our physical life comes to an end, we'll be resurrected through the power of Jesus Christ. But the only reason we can really know that we have that hope is because Jesus has already done that. He rose from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 20 through 22 says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and became the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. If Jesus didn't have the power to save himself from death, how could we expect him to have the power to save us from death? But Jesus did walk out of that grave. We can know for sure that he'll do that for us too. That's why we give him the preeminence. 
because not only is he powerful enough to fix all of our problems and fix all of our sin, he loves us enough to actually do it. That's why Jesus can't just be something that we tack onto our lives. Being a Christian can't just be something we do on Sundays and Tuesdays because Jesus deserves the preeminence in our lives. He deserves to be the focus of everything that we do. So let me ask you, how are, how are you doing with that? Is Jesus the focus of your life or is he just something you think about a couple times a week? Do you wake up every morning asking him to be the one to guide your life or do you just ask for help whenever things go wrong? And that's something we all need to consider regardless of how long we've known him because anything less than total preeminence in all things in our life and we're shortchanging God of what he deserves from us. And that's why it's so important that we remain focused on sharing the gospel, which is what the rest of this passage in Colossians goes on to talk about. Because the gospel is how God offers to make peace with his creation. Uh, Pick up in verse 20. It says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And making that peace was necessary because verse 21 says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. So God made that peace because of what Jesus did by offering reconciliation to us, his creation. And reconciliation might not be a word that that we use all that often. Maybe if you're an accountant, you might talk about reconciling. But to reconcile two things is to just bring them back together. It's to take two or more separate things and bring them into harmony with one another. And that had to happen because humans, due to our sinful nature that we inherited from Adam, we were enemies of God. But Jesus fixes it if we let him. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So if you've given your life to Christ, praise the Lord. You're reconciled to God. That wrong relationship has been fixed. You're no longer the enemy of God. But because you're reconciled to God, you have a job to do. He gave you the ministry of reconciliation. Meaning as Christians who have been reconciled to God, it's now our job to tell other people how they can be reconciled to God as well. That's the Great Commission. That's our job to share the gospel. So how are you doing with that? Hopefully, these last few weeks in our small groups discussing personal evangelism, um, hopefully they've helped. But they're only really going to help if you take your ministry of reconciliation seriously. It's our job to reach people with the gospel, and if we don't tell them they need Jesus, maybe nobody else will. So use this time in small groups to help each other develop the habit of praying for your lost friends, your family, your coworkers, and the habit of showing them the love of Christ with the goal of sharing the gospel with them. Look, God could have picked any method he wanted to communicate the gospel. He could have thrown parades that you could read the gospel as it went by. He could have hired skywriters to write cursive letters with whatever the stream that they write with in the sky. He could have picked any method he wanted to, but he gave that ministry to us. Romans 10.14 says, And how shall they hear without a preacher? So he wants us to, He wants to use us to get the gospel into their lives. Maybe sometimes that seems like a chore to you, and I get that. Sharing sharing what I believe with with people I used to work with is like, it's like a weird and awkward situation, and sometimes it feels like a chore. But if you really think about it, it's a pretty awesome privilege 
God offers us the chance to make a difference in someone else's life that will last for eternity. And that's why as you continue to grow in your walk with God, you can never get to the point where you forget the importance of the truth of the gospel. Because God doesn't, or God does want you to continue to grow so that he can, what uh, Colossians 1.22 says, present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. But he's only going to be able to do that if you do what verse 23 says. It says, If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. So as you grow, take care that you don't outgrow God. You know, I think of it like a tree. A tree can grow for a hundred years sometimes, but it never moves from the location it was planted in. It gets bigger right where it was. So as we grow, we can't ever lose sight of God's word and the simple truth of the gospel. That's what we need to grow from. No, we need to continue in the faith, but we do that while remaining grounded and settled. Uh, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So don't make the mistake of thinking that evangelism is something that, that Christians who are less mature than you have to worry about while you think about discipleship or preaching or whatever. You know your job is evangelism. And don't make the mistake of thinking that you've grown to the point where you don't have to read scripture every day. I don't care how many times you've read through the Bible. That's a thing we have to do every single day to put our armor on and to prepare ourselves for the ministry that God's given us. No, the basics of your Christian walk never go away. The simple truth of the gospel and the hope we have in it will always be a part of your life. And the ministry of reconciliation will remain your ministry until Jesus comes back or your life is over. The work of the Lord starts with evangelism. And Paul knew that. He planted numerous churches, made several disciples, trained many pastors, but he understood that was all a part of his ministry of the gospel. Colossians 1.23 ends with, Whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. He's a minister of the gospel. And Paul suffered for that ministry. It ends in, uh, we end tonight in verse 24. It says, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. So don't think I'm saying that it's an easy thing to live the way Paul lived or the way Paul's suggesting that we live here. It's difficult. It's a daily struggle. But man, it's worth it. It's the only way that your life is going to be able to make a difference that matters in eternity. Once, once this life is over, it doesn't matter how much money is in your 401k. It doesn't matter how many projects you tackled at work. It doesn't matter how big your house was because all that's gone. But man, the people that you invest in, that lasts for eternity. And again, that's a lot to unpack in this passage. There's a whole lot to unpack in this passage that we didn't even touch on. Um, so sorry if it seemed like I was bouncing around, but a true understanding of who Jesus is and the sacrifice he made for us necessitates the kind of response that Paul is talking about here. So the memory verse this week is that 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And while you're memorizing it, man, you can ask yourself some questions about it. Am I steadfast and unmovable? Do I have confidence in God's word to help me with my problems? Or do I look to the world to fix them for me? Do I treat prayer as my first response? in a given situation, or do I wait until things feel out of control before I, before I ask God what to do? Do I organize my schedule to spend time 
uh, with other Christians so that I can grow and with lost people so that I can win them to Christ? Or do I just fit all that into my schedule as, as time allows? There are different ways you can ask yourself, are you steadfast and unmovable? What is it that you're rooted in in life? And you can ask yourself, am I always abounding in the work of the Lord? Or do you just kind of do it when you find time? Am I living my life in a way that, can, that I can focus on making disciples and winning people to Christ? Or is that something I just do once in a while when my friends are doing it and ask me to, to spend time with them? Man, those are hard questions to ask ourselves. Um, you know, no matter what age you are and no matter how far you get in life and, and how much you grow with the Lord, those are always hard questions to ask yourselves. But the good news is if you're unhappy with your answer to either of those questions, the, the good news is that the solution is simple. Spend time with the Lord every day through his word and prayer and surround yourself with other Christians who are going to hold you accountable for doing the things you should be doing. Um, and man, that's all I got for tonight, so I'm going to pray and then we can break up into our small groups. God, uh, sometimes the, the simple truth of scripture is just so convicting. Um, the, the thought that, that Jesus paid the ultimate price for us and, and sometimes we're, we feel too busy to be able to, to do the simple things you've asked us to do. And God, I just pray that as we talk tonight, we just figure out exactly what it is you want us to do and, and help each other achieve that. Um, let this be a place where we can encourage each other and push one another to develop good habits, to be able to make sure that, that you're the first thing we go to in every situation and that you have the preeminence in our lives and that we have open eyes to see the lost people around us so that we can take our ministry of reconciliation seriously. We love you, Lord, and I ask that you just bless our time together tonight. Amen.